Hello and thank you for tuning in to the Okinawa Karate Podcast. I am Josh Simmers coming to you from this little rock in the middle of the ocean called Okinawa, a.k.a. the birthplace of karate. This is part one in what is going to be a three-part series with Michael Hagen-sensei. Michael got his start in Taekwondo in Alaska. Through his university studies, he was fortunate enough to move to Japan and find Shito Ryu. And uh, I'm going to let him tell the rest of the story because he does it a lot better than I do. I had met Michael here in Okinawa in January of 2020, earlier part of this year, and we had planned to sit down and do a face-to-face interview. Some things came up and I had to leave the island for a family emergency. He went back to China, where he now lives, and uh, he was supposed to be here on the island right now. And we were going to continue doing this face-to-face interview, but this crazy thing called the coronavirus kind of got in the way of that. So we did another Zoom interview. If you'd like to watch the video, you can go over to the YouTube channel and watch that. But it's just us talking with the same audio. If you want to stick around here, which I hope you do, please sit back and enjoy part one of this three-part series with Michael Hagen-sensei. Thank you for tuning in to the Okinawa Karate Podcast. I am Josh Simmers, coming to you from the birthplace of karate, Okinawa, Japan. Once again, doing a Zoom interview because of this world pandemic and we can't really have many visitors here to Okinawa. Uh, My guest today, I wanted to interview when he was in Okinawa in January. Some things came up. I had to leave the island, unfortunately, for a family emergency and head back to the States. And he's now not permitted to visit Okinawa like the rest of the world. In the future, he will be, but uh, for now, we're going to go ahead and do another one of these Zoom interviews. Uh, my special guest, please state your name for the record, sir. Michael Hagen. Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Like I said, we wanted to do this when you were here back in January. Um, we got together, ate some traditional Okinawa soba. Oh, yeah. Orion beers at the dojo bar. and. Uh, nope. Had a really good time. We had planned on doing a sit-down interview. Um, We had chatted about it before you got to Okinawa. Uh, And then, you know, I had to up and leave real quick for a family situation, unfortunately. And now I'm waiting for you to come back. Actually, you were supposed to be back here already. That's right. I was actually supposed to come in about a week and a half. I was supposed to be back on island for a weekend of training. And uh, we had arranged to set up a time during that time. But, you know, my flights are canceled, obviously. Situation's not uh, ideal for anybody, so yeah, we're going to we do the best know. we can. We don't know when it's going to happen now, do we? No. I'm, I'm hoping that I could be able to get back there by late summer, early fall, you know, if things settle down. So yeah. Japan opens back up. Yep, yep. We're all hoping for that. I know yeah. of a handful of people that had to cancel plans in, in March and April, some that had to cancel plans in May, and even in June, um, the person I interviewed uh, last week and three times before that, Sensei Pat Miguel, he was trying to come over here in June. We don't know when it's going to happen now, but there's a lot of people in the same situation. So I think that October will probably be pretty busy for us here in Okinawa. You know, that's pretty much the month of karate here. Uh, Karate no hi, October 25th, but that whole month they they slam every tournament or or seminar in that month. And I think this year is probably going to be pretty inundated with it. So I imagine so. You avoid October, actually, unless that's the only time that you can be here. But. So listen, um, normally I would give the intro and say the backstory, how you and I met. But you actually, yeah. uh, I'm going to let you do that because uh, okay. you knew about me before I knew about you. And then there's some other people that got into the mix there. So I'm going to let you mm-hmm. run with it. Okay. 
So uh, I was living in Virginia up until last year and I had a pretty long commute. So I would try to find podcasts, uh, audiobooks never worked out for me. So podcasts and obviously looking for good karate and martial arts related podcasts. And there in the Apple store came across the Okinawa Karate podcast. Started to listen to it, listen to all your episodes with Jesse, with, you know, everybody that, that you'd interviewed. And I have a good friend of mine uh, named Jonathan Seavey, who you may know. Yes, I do. Fact, yes, I do. In fact, was a previous guest, I believe, on the, on the podcast. So uh, I had mentioned it to him. I was like, hey, man, you need to, you need to check out this podcast. You know, he, from his home to his dojo is about, is about an hour. So I knew that he's got time in the car. And I was like, hey, you should, you should check out this, this podcast. You know, this guy, Josh, he's, he's doing a, a lot of good stuff. And he's like, okay, yeah. And, you know, and I don't know how everything happened. But then you had another guest on, um, Master Robinson from Pennsylvania, uh, a Tang Sudo uh, instructor. Well, as that happens, I had actually met Mr. Robinson at Jonathan's dojo grand opening when he opened his new dojo. And it turns out that Jonathan had started in Tang Sudo, and that was his first instructor. And so then when you interviewed Master Robinson, you realized, Jonathan realized that you were from the same area where he grew up in that area also. And uh, then I believe he got in contact with you yep. when he was on island. He goes to Okinawa at least once a year. And uh, you guys interviewed and then, uh, then you contacted me afterwards. So it was this kind of, this roundabout, uh, roundabout way of, Hey, I met your friend, Jonathan. I'm like, yeah, I told Jonathan to contact you. And then how we, how we got started there. Yep. Small so, world, small world. That, that was very, very interesting. I, I tell you what was so surprising to me is like I've mentioned to you, I, I mean, the town that I grew up in is really small, Tunkhannock, Pennsylvania. And Jonathan is, uh, more than 10 years younger than I am. So I never knew him growing up, but I, I did not train at Robinson's martial arts because there was, you know, that was the more expensive dojo. There was really yep. only two. And that was the one that my parents couldn't take me to. So I went to this other one that was American freestyle karate. It, and, and you yep. know, it was more kickboxing than, than karate, but it's what I went to. Uh, and yep. then to find out that, this guy started and he grew up, I grew up in a small town. Actually the town that Jonathan grew up in was even smaller. I mean, really, <laughs> they, he would travel to my town just to see a red light, you know, that's how it yeah. was. And then to find him here in Okinawa and we hit it off, you know, and had a, actually he and I went out and enjoyed a bowl of soba while he was here. <laughs> as nope. Well. Nope. I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, we torture each other when, uh, whoever's in Japan or, or in Okinawa, uh, uh, we, we often will, uh, he will, he would FaceTime me when he was at the Izakaya after training, you know, with his mug of Orion. Yes. yes. And, uh, so we, we, we torture each other frequently with pictures of pork belly and, uh, draft Orion beer. So that's what yeah. we do for the people that are not here. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's what you do. That's right. So let's, let's jump into your history. Let's hear, okay. um, You've got a long history and I heard some of it. I didn't even hear all of it. Um, yep. Usually I, you know, I, I tend to know a fair amount of my, a fair amount about my guests before I interview them because I've spent time with them, which is kind of a prerequisite for me when I do interview somebody. Typically I like it to be here in Okinawa. So we're face right. to face, we're sitting together and, and it's, it's always been someone that I've, I've already known. The only person I've not known was Jesse Incamp. 
Right. Um, which, you know, he's, he's, he's well known anyway. He's got a lot of information out there. <laughs> on, on email. Um, but he's the only one that I didn't get to talk to ahead of time. Um, that's just kind of my style for the, for these interviews. I really enjoyed knowing the people ahead of time. So I know a bit of your history, but not all of it. So let's, let's hear it, man. Let's lay it out there for the guests. Well, so, uh, you know, I wasn't, you know, a, a lot of people started when they were really young. I didn't actually start martial arts until I was 18. I'd always wanted to do karate, but my mom wouldn't allow me to. She thought, you know, I'm the oldest of four. And she's like, uh, you're going to use that on your brothers and sisters. Right? And, and her being the oldest of five, I believe she, you know, probably a little short-sighted in that, you know, she should have recognized that siblings don't need karate to pick on their younger siblings. Right. <laughs> but um, when I started eight, when I turned 18, graduated high school, I started to look around and there was only one karate school in our town where I grew up in Fairbanks, Alaska. But a friend of mine from high school uh, when I said I was looking for someplace, had said, well, you know, my, there's this Taekwondo school that I went to my whole time in high school. And I was like, really? I didn't know that you did Taekwondo. She's like, yeah, the instructor there is phenomenal. Right. And so I went there and it was, it was the hook, right? The, the, that thing that, you know, nobody's good in the beginning, but the thing that hooks you, right? I played sports all through high school, basketball, soccer, baseball when I was younger. And none of it ever maintained my, my, my focus or my interest. And then when I started at this, this Taekwondo school, it was like the light bulb, like this is it, right? And it wasn't so much the Taekwondo itself, but it was like this martial arts. And so I did that for one year, uh, my freshman year of college. And uh, during that time, you know, there's the, there's the students that you see that, that have that spark, right? And... I think my instructor saw that in me because I think within three or four months, he told me one day, he's like, Hey, I need, I want you to come on Saturday. I'm like, okay. He's like, well, I got this, this thing we're doing on Saturday. So I show up on Saturday. It's me, him, one of the other instructors who at the time I think was like Sandan and this army uh, scout who was a Kali guy, a Filipino or Indonesian Kali, uh, uh, you know, Screma, Arnis, that type of thing. And so it was the four of us doing this like private class in Kali. And me, I was, you know, green belt maybe, or yellow belt or some, you know, six months doing martial arts. And here I am with all these other people. And so it just was like that, that thing that kept me going. So my freshman year of college, I also started learning Japanese in college. And about Christmas time or January, right after Christmas, I was chosen or I picked to, to go on a student exchange to Japan. And that wasn't originally part of the plan. That just kind of happened. I went to an informational session, got some information. And the next thing you know, it's September and I'm getting on a plane to Nagoya, Japan. And my, uh, my only focus was when I get there, I don't care what anything is, but take me to the karate club. Like there's, I saw, I saw on the, the, the brochure, right. The information that the school sent that you have a karate club. So take me to a take me to the karate club. So sure enough, my, my first week I'd been there three or four days, tried to get over jet lag school starts and somebody from the school, the, 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 the student exchange, the, the, the foreign student exchange program 
walked me down to where the dojo, where our, our, our school was. And we had our, our dojo, the Shorenji Kempo dojo, and then the little huts where we had our bushitsu, our club rooms. And it was old, um, easily 30, 40 years old, like original, probably 30, about 30 years old, I think. You know, hardwood floors, no air conditioning. Uh, I mean, like the original hardwood floors, you know, heavy bag that had been hanging there for 20 years. One little mirror on the side in the corner by the front. And they, they walked in and they introduced me. And that was kind of my start with, with karate, was this the Nagoya Gakuin University uh, Karate Club. So and what, what made you decide to take Japanese in, in college? Was this a passion of yours early on? Or is this something like, hey, man, I guess I'm going to take a language and it just happened to be Japanese? Oh, no, the Japanese was definitely planned. So... Again, growing up in the 80s, Japanese economy was booming, right? That was before the bubble. And, you know, you think about all the Japanese companies that were buying up Hawaii, buying, buying up Southern California. And I had in my mind, I was a business major at first, and I had in my mind that I'm going to go to school, I'm going to learn Japanese, I'm going to start an international trade company, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get rich doing international trade with Japan. That was, that was the original uh, motivation. You know, as a kid, I'd always had, I'd always had an interest in Japan. Uh, always had an interest in martial arts. It wasn't, I wouldn't say that it was any one thing. You know, some, some people will say like, I saw Enter the Dragon, that was it. Uh, or I saw the Karate Kid and that was it. Or there was this one thing. It wasn't, for me, it wasn't any one thing. It was this combination of a, a large number of things that all fed into this, I'm going to go to university and I'm going to learn Japanese because of this reason with these other interests on the side, kind of driving it in a way, but it, going to Japan to learn karate was never the motivation. Uh, in fact, going on a student exchange was, was completely not planned, right? Life, life throws these little twists at you, right? So not planned, had no interest, but my Japanese instructor was a grad student. And he would tell us stories about his student exchange time and he went to Tokyo and he would tell us these stories. And so that's what prompted me like, okay, well, they're going to have this informational session. You know, maybe that sounds fun. Like never thought of that, but I'll go, I'll go listen to this information. Uh, and then sure enough, it's me and uh, two other kids come September getting on a plane to fly to, or maybe just one other from my school, one other, I think fly to, to Nagoya and go. And our university was, outside Nagoya, it's actually not in Nagoya city, it was in Seto, on the top of a mountain on the border with Gifu prefecture. And we were the only ones that lived on campus. All the exchange students lived on campus in a, in a foreign exchange student dorm on campus. But I was also closer to the dojo, so I guess it worked. So um, when you went over there, you had only been training in, previously you had only been training in uh, Taekwondo. Right, for so one as year. A formal, as a formal art Taekwondo. So when you went to the dojo there as part of the university, what did you train in? What was it Shotokan? Uh, no, it was actually, again, I had no idea of this at all, like styles or anything. It was Shitoryu. Um, there was a small, relatively small organization called uh, Nihon Karate Do Kenwakai based out of um, south of Nagoya in the, by actually by where the airport is now, 
on the Chitahanto, the, the Chita Peninsula, um, called Kenwakai, and they had branch dojos all over Aichi Prefecture, a couple in Gifu, but they're basically just like a local organization with, with multiple branch dojos. But somehow our university had become affiliated with them. Yeah, so it was Shitoryu, but I didn't know that at the time. So how, what about the kata that you were doing? Or what about the types of training that you were doing? Compare that to what you were doing back in Alaska. So we did some kata, but it was mostly kihon. So our average club day was, which average club day, which is every day was club day. We had about two to two and a half hours of training. And the vast majority of that was kihon. Uh, standing kihon, moving kihon and then kumite practice. And that was it, uh, you know, is part of the, the university league. And so we, we fought and we did kihon. So kata, I did heian yondan, stanchen, and basai dai. Wow. That was pretty much it. That was pretty much it. There were other athletes. Uh, one of my good friends was actually, uh, his father owns a dojo in Gifu. He comes from Wadodyu. He was a high school athlete as well. And so he did his wado kata. There were a few others that had high school experience and they did whatever kata they did before. Um, either shotokan, there was a shotokan. Uh, one guy did uh, a couple goju kata, you know, kururumpa and things like that. But our main kata that, that we did as a group were uh, heian yondan, seianchen, and basai dai, uh, itosu no basai. That's a pretty interesting mix of kata. Yeah, well, they're the, they're the Seanchen and Basai Dai are the Shtegata, the mandatory kata for, for kata in JKF and uh, tournament, or I'm sorry, in uh, student league tournaments. And then our Kihon kata that we did was Heian Yondan. But even then, we would go through like maybe once a week doing kata. The rest was just Kihon over and over and over and over. And over. Welcome to Japan. <laughs> right? Well, and see, that was, that was it, right? Uh, you know, what I'd done in Taekwondo that, that for that year was, was pretty much, you know, your typical city dojo. Do a little kihon, do a little kata, do a little kumite. Friday nights was like sparring night, some kicking drills, whatever. But it was, it, it did not compare at all to the level of kihon practice that we did in the in the karate club um, yeah i mean that's you know that it's that it's that environment where you're just over and over again non-stop right and the instructors there were they pretty strict on you guys as foreigners how'd you feel about that were they treated everybody the same or did you feel tested <laughs> yeah yes all of that um, so I had a little bit of a unique experience when I went, I was the only foreigner, the only foreign student in the karate club. So there had been one of the students who left the summer that I arrived, there had been one other foreign exchange student in the club. Um, and he, a uh, great guy, but I think his karate experience in the club was kind of just something that he wanted to do for fun. So he didn't take it as serious 
he just kind of would show up when he wanted or, you know, may not, may not show up for like two weeks at a time and then just show up to training and whatnot. So that was the expectation that they had when I arrived was this, okay, you know, Michael's here now. Let's see what Michael does. Yeah. Right? Another, another guy going to be the same way as the last one. Exactly. So it wasn't, I didn't, uh, there was not really any like harassment or hazing or teasing directed towards me. You know, once they figured out, okay, how old are you? What grade are you in? Okay. You're a sophomore. Okay. You're a Nina and say you're here. Right. So they stuck me in with the, 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 the sophomore students, the other sophomore students. And that became my, my year, my group. Um, but there was a definite six to, I would say six months of, let's see what Michael does, right? Is Michael going to come on the, when we have our Gashku, is Michael going to show up? Uh, when we have the, uh, the little training camps before the tournament or at the beginning of the semester, when it's, you know, we train two hours at lunchtime and then after class we come back and we have three hours of training at night. Is Michael going to show up for all three nights? Is he going to come on Saturday? And so there was, there was definitely that. And I didn't, you know, I was, I didn't realize that that's what was going on at the time. Uh, my Japanese was still atrocious at that time. The first eight months, I could barely understand uh, what they were saying. Cause you know, you learn Japanese and I was taking language classes, but you know, karate words are all, you know, you don't learn those in the classroom, right? You don't know what any of, of karate words are. So you were learning formal Japanese in the classroom, not so much <laughs> conversation, especially dojo conversation. Slang. Right. Right. So there, at, at first there was a lot of just looking around to trying to, trying to keep up with what everybody was doing. So I got there in late August or very beginning of September. And it was about February that I really started to feel that, okay, now I'm, I'm part of the club. So in March I went home and for spring break, you know, the, the Japanese school system, they have uh, March is like a break for right. a month before, before school starts again in April. So I took that time. I flew home for a couple of weeks and I was only supposed to be there for a year. So I was supposed to leave in July or August to fly back. And I went to my professor who managed our program and I asked to extend for one more semester and to stay until December. And that was the best decision that I could have made. In fact, I should have just asked for a whole nother year, but I asked for a another semester and she agreed you know we got the school to to agree to it that I could stay and we got the the school in Japan to agree for to allow me to stay and both on my karate and my Japanese language that uh, that was key because it was over that summer I stayed in Japan and I didn't go back home over the summer I stayed there and I just did an autobaito teaching uh you know, English to, you know, housewives or uh, high school students and whoever wanted to do it. My friends all got together and they, they, you know, they got their summer, whoever's high school student needed a, a tutor and I would get on my little scooter and I would go over there for, you know, a couple hours or I would go here. And that summer and into the fall was every, everything just started to click. I started to understand the, the language. I started to really kind of get my place in the karate club. And so where they really accepted me and in the fall before I left, the seniors, the sophomores had become juniors. And so we become juniors. Well, junior, the seniors retire and the juniors take over. And 
in our club, at least at the time, I don't know if they're still doing it. They had what we call Kambu Kotai, which is the, the changing, kind of like the changing of the guard where the, the seniors retire from club activity and the juniors take over. And we had a, a three-day experience. Let's put it that way. We had an experience um, that culminated with, at least on my part, a visit to the emergency room on Saturday. But, you know, <laughs> uh, it was, you know, they, they, I was in there right in there. And even that, though, the test continued at the end because I remember the, the captain saying, you know, Michael, you don't have to do this. You're, you know, you're going home. You know, this is not, this is not something that you have to do. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm here. I'm a junior. I'm, you know, I may be leaving soon, but I'm going to do this with, uh, with, with, with my, with my call, with my docusay, right? My, right. Right. And, uh, it was, uh, it was great. I got home from the, uh, emergency room and, um, I walked into my dorm and one of the girls, one of the, the other exchange students, or no, one of the Japanese girls that was, that was there visiting and, and helping us, she was walking across the living room and she stopped and looked at me and said, were you in a car accident? <laughs> what was, can you, what was, is the, what was the trip to the emergency room for? So it wasn't, it wasn't as dramatic. So what we had, the very last thing we did was for Kambukotai was the, the juniors go over on one side and everybody else goes on the other. And then you basically have to fight each person uh, in the club, starting at the, the, the most junior freshman all the way up to the captain of the club. And it's, you know, it's not for time. It's not for points. It's until the captain says, Yame, and then you go to the next one. So I think mine, I think each person was around 45 minutes of fighting, which, you know, isn't, the most, but it's pretty intense. Well, I actually broke my finger on like my second opponent. We were, we were going in and I think I grabbed the dogi and to do an ashiburai and the takedown and my finger, you know, got wrenched, got caught in the dogi as I was doing the takedown to score the, the point. And I remember I, I got up and I helped him up and, you know, I shook off my finger and I kind of went like this and then I, you know, kept going and, you know, three or four, people later, I'm like, man, my hand hurts a lot. And I look down and my fingers all crooked. I mean, you can see it's still kind of crooked there. And that's after two surgeries. Right. And I'm like, man, my finger hurts. And you know, senpai standing there with his china and he's like, okay, well, what are you going to do? You're going to keep going. And I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to keep going. So I went, so by the time, and by the time you get to the captain, you know, the, 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 the assistant captain and the captain, they're not really fighting you, right? They want you to just keep going, to keep punching them, to keep, and they'll knock you down, trip you, do ashibarai, do a takedown, just to get you to stand back up. And, uh, you know, so it, it got to that point. And, um, you know, finally after, you know, I get to the captain and vitally you're standing there and you're really just, you know, just trying to keep punching and then they, they call Yame and you fall down and you're like, oh, thank goodness that's over. And uh, the captain was like, well, do you want to go to the hospital now? I'm like, no, I'm not going to go to the hospital. We still got, you know, we still got people to go here. So one of the managers uh, brought me a cup of like oolong tea, like iced oolong tea, like this little cup. And I basically just stuck my hand in this cup of oolong tea 
and I'm sitting there in the dojo in Cezanne with my hand in this lukewarm tea because it was the coldest thing we had. You know, there's no ice. My fingers all crooked. So we continue, and then there, then we had a tradition when these type of things were done. We had a big bottle of an ishobin, the, the the big bottle of of nihonshu of sake, right? And of course, Japanese tradition, and, right? So, and it starts at at the freshman, and it basically works its way up and down the line until until the bottle's gone, right? And everybody's just you know doing their their part to make this go away, and. Uh, <laughs> So we did that, you know, and then the beer came out and the food came out. And finally, it's like, you know, it's starting to get dark. Maybe I should go to the hospital. So one of my senpai, he's like, okay, okay, uh, I'll drive you to the hospital. So he takes me to the hospital. We're there and the, the doctor takes me into the x-ray room and the, the x-ray specialist is getting ready to take my hand. Well, across the hallway was the bathroom and my senpai was in the bathroom, you know, taking care of the business that he needed to take care of. And this, this, the radiologist looks at me and my chest, my chest is just covered in red, red marks from being punched and scraped and everything. Well, right. And, uh, he looks at me and he, and he hears my senpai across the hall in the bathroom. And he's like, um, are you in a sports club? I'm like, ah, you know, karate, you know, karate this. And he's like, ah, okay, 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 okay. And he's like, it's like, it all makes sense. Right. Right. As soon as you say that, like everybody gets it. He's like, "Well, your finger's broken in two places. Both sides of the joint are fractured. But um, come back on Tuesday, <laughs> right? Because it's Saturday afternoon. So I go back on Tuesday, and they they put pins in my hand. And um, this was in November, and I was supposed to leave in December. Well, at the same time, they told me right around this time. I think that week, they're like, "Okay." Um, in two, in two weeks, uh, we go to Hombu Dojo and, uh, and you take Shodan test. I was like, Oh, I'm like, okay, that's fine. You go. So I, we went to the home. I'm like, what kata am I going to do? Oh, you're just going to do Basai Dai. So you go, you go over there now and you practice Basai Dai. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I went practice Basai Dai. And I don't know if we did Sanchin too. We might've done Sanchin too. Um, but that was it. And then do my kata and I remember in the middle of doing one of my yoko ukes I bang my finger and I'm like <laughs> right there at Hombu Dojo which I'd only been to twice. And and who is the sensei? So you received your shodan rank from the sensei there yeah. at the Hombu Dojo. Who's the sensei? Yeah uh, his name was Kuoko Kenwa. Okay. And uh actually it's the 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 son the well the 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 first generation was the one who ten- tested me. It's now uh, the third generation is in charge now. The, the the son passed away and now the grandson who was, he's, I think, about five or six years older than me. Um, and I remember, so he, he passed away about a year after I went back to the States. But we only saw him a couple times, but he would, you know, it was, again, a whole, you know, he is a whole totally different generation, right? But he was like, okay, good. You know, I was like, you know that that very little like okay good you know yeah. so uh, I mean, but that's that's a great accomplishment and if you had not asked to extend that semester you would not have made that show down there in japan i mean that's that's good so did you stay with shito do you after that so i kind of, i went back at first to my the taekwondo school that i was at and that was 
really hard. I mean, I, I just went back and, you know, I took off my black belt. I put on whatever Taekwondo rank I had. And, but it was really hard because the movement now was so different. Uh, the way that they moved and the way they did their kata. And I really struggled. So I got to go step back and say that, you know, my karate club was part of this Kemwakai. Well, and I grew up, I was living in Fairbanks, Alaska. Well, down in Anchorage, Alaska was one of the branch dojos of this Kemwakai. The, the instructor was, had been one of our, was my senpai in Nagoya Gakuin University. Uh, his name is Tanaka Katsutaka Sensei. And he was the, he was year two, was like the first captain or year one or year two of our karate club. And I was the 29th, year 29. So I, met, I first met him. He came to Japan once. He would come back almost every summer. And he, he came to the university and he just thrashed us one day, one, one, one Sunday or Saturday training session. And he just, it was pretty tough training. Um, but I knew that he was in Anchorage. But then... I went back to Fairbanks and I was in college and I went to a local open tournament and I see this guy, one of the other competitors with the Kenwakai mark on his dogi. And I walked up and I was like, Hey, you Kenwakai? And I'm like, I'm Kenwakai too. Right? Like I was at Nagoyagakuin University. And like, he's like, yeah, Tanaka sensei is my sensei. He had moved up to Fairbanks to go to college. So we hooked up and we started training and his name is Chris Hodgen. And he's one of the, uh, uh, one of the senior referees now with the uh, NKF, but we started training together. And he actually, I would go down to Anchorage. Like when we had a school break, I would go down to Anchorage with him and train at his, at Tanaka sensei's dojo. Uh, so I kept doing shodu, and I actually, because like I said, I only knew, when I got my shodan, I knew three karate kata, plus a couple others that we played around with. That way, because, that's, that's, <laughs> that's really interesting, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, think about that today. So yeah. many schools, you know, I mean, we have 12 kata in our system, and to make shodan, you don't have to know all 12. But there's other schools out there that have 50 kata, and to make shodan, you probably know 25 of them, right? Or so you think you do, but basically knew three and you only had to perform one for your shodan test. One, maybe two. I can't remember whether we did say engine or not for the shodan test. I know for sure we did Basai Dai. I just can't remember whether we did a second one and we did Kihon. Um, and then some, some very light Kumite. I mean, even that my Kumite, I had a broken finger. So they're like, okay, you can move a little bit, but you know, when you think about it, so I had a year of, of Taekwondo, and then a year and a half of karate. So essentially two and a half years to Shodan. But, and I even asked, I remember asking my friend about this when I was there. I'm like, you know, this seems kind of early. And he's like, wait, we train every day for, for on average two to sometimes more hours a day, every day, plus several times a year, we have three day, three a day, or, or three-day three day training camps, plus our summer gashku, our winter gashku. And every time there's a tournament, we'll do training camp leading up to that. So the volume of training that you've done in this year and a half is equivalent to what an, a person going just to a regular city dojo would do in four to five years. You're doing that because we're doing it every day and so, and especially because it had such an emphasis on kihon 
I mean, we would do easily half the class would be, you know, Ido Kihon where, you know, you know, Udakin, all your blocks and then moving Kihon back and forth, right? Zenkutsutachi Geranburai, Zenkutsutachi Ageyuke, you know, Oyuski, Gyakuzuki, Maigeri, back and forth, back and forth. And then the Uchikomi and the Kumite practice for nonstop. Um, and so, you know, when you, when you look at just the length of time, it seems very unusual. But when you look at the volume of training that happened, that happens in a university club, well, at least in, in the average university club, the way ours was at that time, the volume of training that we did was equivalent to four, you know, four to five years worth of two to three nights a week for an hour to two hours. Yeah. Because what, what blew me away when I moved here to Okinawa is a lot of people will only attend class one day a week, maybe two days a week, but they'll do it for 30 years, 40 right. years. And right. they're, they're dedicated. They are, but that's, that's their situation. There's other people that do it four days, five days a week, six days a week, or if you have your dojo at your house, you know, but I was blown away because I thought, man, they're going to be in there seven days a week. Nope, that's not the case. Some people, one day a week, they come in for two hours, they maintain their health, they move on out. But I understand 100% what you're saying there, the, the, the volume. I mean, you're basically getting uh, an associate's degree, if you will. To me, it, it kind of highlights the difference in philosophy between what a, a, a Japanese way of thinking about the you know, black belt and shodan versus a Western way of thinking about you know, the black belt, um, because really is, okay, you, you, you've done some kihon now, good job. Um, and now we can, we can start some training. Now you can, now you might have the ability to actually understand what we're going to talk about and, and do some training. And, and I kind of thought, and I, and now that I look back on it, I think that that's very, very true. And I, and I always, when I'm working with athletes or students now, I always caution, like, look, shodan doesn't mean that you've, I mean, it's a great accomplishment. Congratulations. But now we need to start the actual training. Now you should be understanding concepts. We should, we could be able to, to, to talk about how to do things better, how you're supposed to progress, how Bunkai is supposed to work and things like that. Yeah. So on to Hokkaido. Hokkaido. So I uh, talked my way into a Japanese Ministry of Education uh, scholarship. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you very much for listening to part one with Michael Hagen Sensei. Please stay tuned for part two, which is right around the corner. As always, thank you for tuning in to the Okinawa Karate Podcast. I am Josh Simmers coming to you from the birthplace of karate, Okinawa, Japan. <laughs>